Hello, and welcome to Revolution 22's teaching podcast. We are a church from the downtown area in Boise, Idaho. Thank you for joining us today and hearing this week's sermon. We pray that God's word will be received and will bear fruit in your life. You can grab a seat. Well, I'm excited. Uh, Next week, we're going to start a study in the book of Genesis through the life of Joseph. Super excited about that. But we also wanted to stop today to talk um, a little bit about mission. And I'm really excited about this as well. Uh, I guess I want to forewarn you a little bit uh, just to prepare your hearts. I'm going to ask, um, I'm going to ask you today to let your heart be ruled by Jesus in all ways. And that could potentially cost you time and money. And I, I, I want to say that up front because I think every so often people talk about mission and like, well, what does that mean exactly? Yes, money is tied to it, but it's not predominantly about giving to mission. We want to, um, we want to talk about all the ways that God is, is leading us to do mission and, and the things that we believe he's calling us to, to operate in that and what that looks like. Um, and so hopefully, prayerfully, you could take part in what is shared today. But to do this, we're going to have to understand why we even do it and what it is is you know the mission mission can be a pretty confusing word in the church like we have mission statements and and um we're gonna go live on mission or we're gonna um we're gonna go take part in missions and and depending upon who you're talking to or or how it's it laid out it it changes per person i think the intent is always there but the definition is is difficult so a couple things one is um we would have said that we would say people say the mission of revolution 22 is to love god and love others we want to kind of keep that as the purpose. We want to love God and love others based on Matthew 22 and the greatest commandment. It's super simple and very ambitious. But for the sake of clarity, let's call that our purpose that we try and live out, not our mission. Missions at Rev has carried with it the idea of being sent to announce and embody the gospel to, of Jesus to other individuals, regardless of who or where they are geographically. And we've always said, this is how we're going to take part in missions. And so we partner with these missions organizations, and we, um, we will do uh, mission stuff in our gospel communities. And we kind of we go in, in that. But even that can ten- unintentionally lead to a little bit of ambiguity or lack of clarity. And so as we, we strive to, to find a definition that, that works, because many brilliant people have tried to come up with a definition that would work, that not only is something that is understandable, but that also then could be lived out, um, it's, it's pretty difficult, because I think a lot of times uh, we spend more time trying to define it than just than, than doing it. And, and though the definitions are beneficial to help us know what we're doing, um, the word mission itself is hard to nail down. And so I want to I wanna talk about a couple problems for it, and then... Um, and then we'll, uh, we'll kind of dig into what we're going to try and accomplish today, Lord willing. Uh, first off, like I said, originally there are many different ways to use mission, missions, live on mission, be a missional person, um, take part in the mission of God. Uh, like there's, there's so many ways that that word can be used, and so it's, it's hard to, to navigate where it's at. But a couple negative ramifications um, that I want to highlight, because I don't think I'm going to try and give you a little definition, but I will leave you wanting if you're looking for the perfect definition of it all. But um, a couple negative ramifications that happen when we, that are become a problem with mission when we view them too, too narrow a, in some way. So a lot of times people will say that, that the, the, the act of, of caring for others' needs is mission. So we're going to go and care for someone's needs. We're going to help 
the homeless. We're going to help uh, a displaced people group. We're going to help in, in these areas or this, this culture across the, across the world that is impoverished or needs clean water. And, and very much has just seen like it's just to take those needs and, and to meet those needs. And as long as we meet those needs, mission is moving forward. But the, the, the problem is it's twofold with that. One is with that view, a lot of times people say we're doing that with the intent to tell them the gospel as opposed to just meeting the tangible, definite, like purposeful needs. We're, we're, it's almost like we're kind of bait and switching, like we're going to do it to tell the gospel. And then there's the other negative side of this that can unintentionally happen if we focus in too far, which is this idea of, of just, we're just to, supposed to tell people about Jesus, and the other things will, will come, and, and, and those, those things are in place. And so if we just talk about Jesus, kind of evangelize, or, or we, we go and just proclaim Jesus, then, then that's mission as well. And somehow we've tried to, to separate these two, but when you look at G- the life of Jesus himself, or, or the gospel, the good news that we talk about, we see that, it's, that, that, that mission, that, that, that the gospel is meant to be going forward in proclamation, telling people about it, and embodying it at the same time living it out, practically meeting these needs. So it's not a one or the other. We aren't supposed to serve people's needs because we want to tell them about the gospel. Because we know the gospel, we will serve people's needs and we will proclaim the gospel to them at the same time. Uh, one scholar says it this way. He says, it is true that when a person becomes a follower of Jesus, life, his life changes, but it is also true that the way we win people to the greatness of Christ includes doing great things that he was sent to do. A verbal witness to the value of Jesus Christ without a life of radical commitment to the things he stood for will produce converts who are carbon copies of our fallen culture. Therefore, lifestyles of simplicity for the sake of love are essential if we want to make true disciples. So if we're, if we're going, um, if I were going to give you a very broad definition of mission, again, I think it will leave you uh, <laughs> wanting some if you're looking for the perfect definition. I wrote it this way. I said, um, this is kind of a, grabbing from a lot of really brilliant people to try and make one um, really hard to understand definition, but the best I could. Uh, Being sent to embody and proclaim the gospel or good news of the kingdom of God, regardless of the spiritual status of the recipient of this proclamation and embodying of the gospel. Simply put, being sent. Mission is, is being sent and being a sent person. Now, the, the, the problem is, is that even in that language, when we think about sent, we, we created a people group called missionaries that we send to, to other areas. And so what I want to kind of contend and try and do and what we would hope for as a church is that we would see that, that every single one of us is sent to some degree in some way and some aspect, whether that's at school, with your families, to an unreached people group across cultural boundaries, to, to a, a, a people group in your local area, to... Uh, your co-workers to maybe even some of your families in, in reaching them. But proclaiming and embodying the gospel, this is what we are to be as a church. We're ushering in the reign of his kingdom, his lordship, the reign, the lordship, the kingship of Jesus into every area of our lives. And so, so when we talk about the idea of mission, it means that each and every one of, if you pro- proclaim the name of Jesus, if you are surrendered to him as Lord and Savior, then, then he has sent you for a purpose. And, and that purpose can be mission. There are other purposes. Again, I don't want to focus in too hard on that because we know there's many things going on with that. So we can get to the purpose of God through mission, but it's not the primary or only purpose. I just want to make sure I'm being clear with that. But let's look at a few scriptures that help us 
or help me kind of come to this understanding of it. The first one is I think very often when we think of missionaries are being sent, we head to like Acts and, and, and the New Testament on in that way. But we see that, that sending has always been a part of God's plan in, in this way because we see in Genesis 3, just after the fall, God speaking to the enemy says, I will put enmity, Genesis 3 verse 15, I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his hill. So the beginning of this declaration is that God is going to send someone through a people group. And, and a friend of mine, a pastor, said this way, and I loved it. I don't know where he got it, but he said, when we're reading the Old Testament, we're always called to look at, is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Is this the one? Right here, God makes this declaration that there will be a Savior. There will be a Messiah. He's going to come. And this requires him then to send. And so now we have to say, okay, at the very beginning, God is sending. We see in our understanding of following Jesus that he says that he will send the Holy Spirit to us at the resurrection. So there's this, this sending is, is, is all a part of God. And we see that in every way. So to restore the kingdom of God, the reign of God, the right siding up of the kingdom of God, God said he will send his Messiah. He will send the Savior, the Lord, the, the, that ended up being him, God incarnation in flesh. And so then when Jesus sets on scene in the New Testament, after God has promised this in Genesis 3.15, Mark 1.15, Brian read it actually in the call to worship before our, our service here. He said, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel, the good news. See, Jesus is declaring that he is the good news. If you think about this, uh, John the Baptist was saying, repent, the kingdom is, is coming. Jesus says, is here. I am, I am a part of this. I, am the, I have brought the, in, the kingdom of God. Jesus is declaring that he is the good news. And the scholar says it this way, in and through Jesus, God, the king, is coming in a new way into the world to establish his saving rule. First, in the hearts of his people and in their relationships by triumphing over sin, Satan, and death. Then, by the exercise of his reign, his, his rule, gathering a people for himself in congregations that live as citizens of a new allegiance of the kingdom of God, not of this world. Then Christ comes a second time and completes the reign by establishing a new heavens and a new earth. See, years before Jesus sets up, in Isaiah 52, 7, we see this. It says, speaking of Messiah, how beautiful upon the mountains are the feet of him who brings good news, who publishes peace. Who brings good news of happiness? Who publishes salvation? Who sets a Zion? Your God reigns. This is this has always been the the the, perp, the one of the purposes of God. This has always been the mission to send a people to proclaim the good news of God in His kingdom rule. And until He comes again, we are to partake in proclaiming and embodying this good news, the gospel of Jesus. Every person that declares themselves to follow Jesus is to do. This. Now look at what happens with Jesus. In Isaiah 61, again, speaking about the Messiah, this is, whole chapter 61 is beautiful, but in just verses 1 and 2, it says this. It says, The Spirit of the Lord God is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, and the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. If you fast forward to Luke 4, verse 17, Jesus, sitting in a synagogue, is handed this scroll, the prophet Isaiah. He unrolls it, 
Bounds right where this place is. And then he reads what we just read, the, the, the loosing of, um, I'm sorry, to bring the good news to the poor and the, the, to bind, the, bind up the broken heart and to proclaim liberty to the captives. He reads this very section and then stops right at Lord's favor and goes, sits, rolls it back up, sits down, like it says in verse 20 and 21 of 4, and sits down and everyone's staring at Jesus after he just read the scripture. One is he, he stops a little short. Most scholars believe he stops because because the, the latter part of 61, and I would encourage you to go read it. We just don't have time. The latter part of that 61 is more of an indicator of the second coming. This is the, the inauguration of the kingdom, the, the fulfillment of the kingdom in place. And so he stops right there, but everyone's staring at him. And Jesus says, began to say to them, today, today, this scripture has been fulfilled in your hearing. Jesus says, today, today these things are happening. The good news is here. The, the, the gospel that is coming, the, 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 the taking over, the setting up of a kingdom for God where God is the ruler and then reigns and, and his subjects and the people are, are obediently surrendered to him and living and thriving under his leadership. Today, this is beginning. This is why Jesus, when he teaches us to pray, he tells us to, to pray for your heaven, uh, uh, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Your kingdom come. Right? He's, he's saying, want we, we, like here, we want to see it all in its entirety here. He talks about, uh, we, we can look at this in 61, that the good news to the poor could mean poor in spirit. It could be, you know, morally poor or, or um, actually impoverished with, with finances. The, the, the bind of the brokenhearted could be the brokenhearted of those who, who are... Um, who are injured or hurt in some way or, or, or needing the healing of a broken heart, not one with Jesus. The, the setting captives free is that we are, the scriptures teach that we are enslaved to sin. We are enslaved to sin. Apart from Jesus, we can do no good. So freeing us, but many of us are enslaved in, in various sins, greed or porn or, or all kinds of different things. And what is Jesus saying? He's saying, look, the gospel is proclaimed. The good news is going to speak to those things and engage in those things. It's not just a telling you about it. This is why when you look at Jesus' life, you see him both speaking, repent, believe, sin no more. And then you see him meeting tangible needs, connecting with someone, a blind person on the side of the road, yelling, a leper that, that needs that's healing, touching them. He, he connects with them right at their need. Even Matthew, the tax collector, goes to a guy who sold himself out and, and connects with his deepest need of wanting to belong. The gospel is not just a proclamation it's an embodying as well. It's something that we are to embody together. In fact, we see that Jesus said this, and we talked about it when we went through John chapter 20, but right after the resurrection, Jesus says this to them. He says, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Just as the Father has sent me to you, now I'm sending you to this world. I'm sending you out. He, we, we see scriptures where he says, I'm sending you out as, as sheep among wolves, so I pray that you'd be as wise as a serpent and as gentle as a dove. He says, I, he, when it's prayer, in John 17, when he's praying for his believers, he says, I don't want to take them out of the world, God, but I pray that, that they would be in this world for your purpose and one, so that people around you can know that they are mine because of the way that they treat each other. Jesus has sent us. We are sent by God into this world just like Jesus was sent by God to this world. We have been sent. If you proclaim or say you're a follower of Jesus, then you are sent. Uh, Matthew chapter 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them 
In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Guys, I don't see an out clause on that great commission. I don't see a go and make disciples. Well, you know what? School is really busy right now, so let's just, let's just go ahead and take a, a break from this idea. You know what? Like Maybe you can go and make disciples once you make partner in this, in this business or when, you, when you've paid off this debt. Or, or how, about you make, how about you become and go make disciples once you finally graduate high school, maybe even graduate college, because you just don't have time to do it right now. We don't, we don't see that in here. He's not, he's not saying go and make disciples when it's convenient. He's not saying as long as you feel comfortable with it. And go and make disciples. I think, I think the biggest reason why we struggle to do this as a church today, collectively, myself included, is because we forget the second part of that text, the promise. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. If we remembered that he was with us always, if we remembered that he is with me, then I wouldn't be afraid to speak to someone out of not knowing what I should say or, or not being confident enough in these things. If we, if we were confident that Jesus was with us, then when we, whether we were at work or at school or, or in a totally different unreached people group, we would be relying completely on him to work it out in us. See, I think the reason why the church as a whole today, and, I, and this is all of us, please hear me on this. I think the reason why we lack in being sent is because we forget one of the main reasons is because we forget that jesus is with us we think we have to do it on our own strength or have to be able to be smart enough or to to know enough and so we spend the majority of our life trying to learn enough about jesus in hopes that we will then share him to others but then we're tired and we're distracted by retirement and everything else and so we just never get out as a sent person There are, there are many of you in this church, please hear me on this, there are many of you that do this so well. And I'm so thankful, I'm so thankful for that because it, it teaches me how to do it better. And it shows me there's a way to, to be a father and to, to be a husband and to, to have a job and to do all these things and still take and make this a priority because many of you are doing that. And I'm so thankful for that. But the, but the thing is, is it's, it's not that, it doesn't say many of you go therefore and make disciples. It's It's all. All of us are to go. And look, I, I, under, I understand the issue with saying, oh, we're, we're all missionaries, but, but there isn't really anything in our place in the kingdom of God that doesn't make us a sent person. We are sent to a degree in some way. Maybe we're not going to uproot our entire life and move to a, a faraway people group, although some of you should, probably should. When some of you have thought that, be like, oh, that's just ridiculous. There's no way I could do that. Yeah, you're, you're right. Without God, you can't, but with him, you can but most of us, the issue isn't getting us to be ready to leave the, everything we have to some unreached people group. The issue is just getting us to even proclaim or embody the gospel to our neighbor. Jesus is, is really clear about this through his short three years on the earth. You see him very often proclaim the same thing. The kingdom of God is here. The, the reign, the rule of God is here. Live, live that out. And then he goes on, and whether he's having a conversation with a religious leader that's fighting him, or he's talking to his disciples, or, or whatever it is, the, 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 the teachings that have been preserved by, for us by God show him both proclaiming the good news and embodying it. 
And if we are to be sent just as he was, then we are to proclaim it and embody it. It's not a one or the other. It's both. We see a couple ways that this happens in in the scriptures. And I think it's important, again, I want to just disclaimer this because I think it's really, really good, is is that we see in scripture, we see Jesus both declaring, telling the good news, telling people to believe, showing them what to believe, and we also see him living out and meeting tangible needs for people feeding them. They're just going to be hungry again. Healing them. They're just going to die. Raising Lazarus from the dead. He's just going to die again. Jesus is the good news of God and his kingdom is that that both take place, not just one or the other. Uh, This is a scripture in in Matthew chapter 25. Someone's asking a question about how, um, you know, what, what must I do uh, sorry, this is the wrong one, actually. This is just a, him telling a, a parable of those that are going to inherit the kingdom of God. I think it's important before I say this, it's really, really clear context. He's not saying if you do these things that you will inherit the kingdom of God. He's saying because you have the kingdom of God, these are the things that you will do. That's the way that this is coming out. So he says, then the king, verse 20, uh, 34, then the king will say to those on the right, come you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you. From the foundation of the world. That's why we know it's not the working of it that makes it happen. From the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. Then the righteous answer will answer him saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or feed you or thirsty or give you drink? When did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them saying, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it to me. Now the context here is Jesus is most likely speaking about other believers, the way that we treat other believers. You can take this and say, okay, I was third, um, I was hungry for righteousness and you gave me the righteousness food, or it could just literally be you, f- you gave someone a, a sandwich. You could say it to be, I was thirsty or I thirsted for, uh, like you said, hunger and thirst for righteousness, or you gave me a drink, or it could be that they just needed water. Or I was a stranger and you welcomed me in. You, saw, you brought me home to belong. I was a sojourner, and now you made me a sojourner to this world by bringing me into the kingdom of God, by showing me who God is. But either way, Jesus is saying that we are too, as those who inherit the kingdom of God, as those who walk as a part of the kingdom of God, we are to be clothing and meeting needs for people at the same time of proclaiming the good news. You want to... Um, Maybe another example, we can go to the Good Samaritan. If you've, if you've ever read this story, I'm sure many of you have or have heard it. Uh, there's this religious leader that comes to Jesus and says, what must, I, what must I do to inherit the, the, the kingdom? What must I do to inter- inherit eternal life? And Jesus says, well, you must love the Lord God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And, and the, the person's like, well, yeah, I've done all those things, but, but well, who's, who, who's, my, who's my neighbor? He's trying, to, he's trying to get out of like, okay, so like I got to love my neighbors myself, but, but which person's my neighbor? And so then God goes in, or Jesus goes into this parable talking about this man that, that's coming from Jerusalem and down, and this is like this thoroughfare, not a, don't think a highway like cars going, because cars weren't invented, in case you guys didn't know that, okay? Um, but their walk, it's a, it's a common walkway. And these two religious people come by, and these are religious people that are, that are meant to be the ones that carry the good news, They're the ones that are supposed to point and to teach and to help people see God and to to get in relationship with him. These are the people that that are supposed to be the the people that know what's true. 
Look, I'm, I'm, I'm emphasizing this because doesn't that seem a lot like our church today? Let me just push, just push a little harder. Don't squirm out yet. Please don't take this too offensively unless the Holy Spirit is asking to, to convict you. But guys, that's us. We're the religious leaders too busy doing church things that we're forgetting to be the church. We're too busy trying to figure out if it fits into our politics or if we can theologically understand it instead of just doing the very things that Jesus asked us to do. We see people in need all the time. Not just across the world in some impoverished area, but right next door to us. We see people desperately in need of hope that can only come from Jesus Christ, and we steer clear and walk on the other side of the road. Why? Because we've forgotten Jesus was with us. Because if we remember Jesus was with us, then he would crush my own insecurities and say, speak up, Brent. I'm with you. If I remember Jesus was with me, I'd be like, oh, wait, I'm not supposed to be building my life for some retirement. I'm supposed to be building his kingdom today. And these two religious leaders go on either side. Now, something that's important for us to know, in this day and age, like the, the, the Samaritan people were not, not, not seen highly of. I don't have a really good example. I made a really bad joke about Nampa, and I won't do that this service because it was offensive. But, but the, the point is, is that like whatever, the, the worst we could possibly see, like in our history, the worst that race has ever been, the ugliest it's ever been, this is probably a little bit worse than how they viewed Samaritans. It's gross. It's horrible. So much so that the, when Jesus tells a story, he says these two religious leaders don't go by, and then he goes and says, and this one guy comes by, a Samaritan, which is like, ugh, he said that word. I can't believe he said that, right? All the people are disgusted by that. And he says, he sees him in the ditch. He picks him up, puts him on his, his horse, and takes him to the inn and, close, and, and covers the cost and says, hey, I'm leaving. I'll come back through, and I'll give you more money if not enough is paid. And he said, which one? Which one did the right thing? And you know what the man says? He doesn't even say the Samaritan. He says, the one who showed mercy. Because his heart was so ugly in that. What is Jesus doing with us? He's showing us this, this picture of what it means to be loving, compassionate, merciful pr- people whose hearts summon us into action when we see need. And too often, guys, in my own heart, I see myself running from action. I see the church giving maybe even really good reasons why we don't have to have action. Look, one of those religious leaders, hey, if I do this, I won't be able to worship God because of the, the ceremony of cleansing that would have to happen. So he saw worshiping God in that moment greater than meeting the needs of this person. And Jesus is saying, hey, hey, if you worship God, the needs of this person should be met. The problem is when we separate him, we say, okay, missionary is just that, that person that's crazy over there that I'll give him some money. You know, you guys go do that. And then we, we, we abdicate our responsibility and say, I'm not sent at all. Jesus is basically saying when there is a chance to love, you love. You don't weigh in on who it is or what return you'll get on that investment or if it'll, if it'll help your portfolio. You just give. You do it. Your heart goes. We, too are, we are to embody and proclaim the gospel regardless of the person, regardless of where they are, regardless of the outcome to us. Look, here's, here's the thing. We're... <laughs> Whether you are a new believer in Jesus or you've been following Jesus and have 15 PhDs in understanding Scripture, regardless of where you are, 
The same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. And, and, and all your merit and all, your, all your, your, your amazing competence, it's not based on that. It's based on the Spirit of God alive in you and you carrying the hope of the world. Why? Because God in His grace has given it to you and clothed you in His righteousness. It's not based on anything you've done. It's a free gift. Church, this should compel us to be really excited to share it with other people. And God has convicted me this week. He's convicted me because so often our hearts are not awake to what he's asking us to do. Because we can find good, dare I say, religious things to do in place of the good things he's asked us to do. We are to embody and proclaim the gospel. You are sent. But wait, I, I, don't, I, don't, how, I don't know enough. That's okay, Jesus does. Start studying, but don't wait until you're done studying. You don't understand, I, I, it's going to cost me so much. You're right, it costs God absolutely everything. And he says it costs you everything to die to yourself. I want to talk about a few ways that we do some missions work, some work of sending people, whether they are people that are here or organizations we part with that are trying to embody and proclaim the gospel. But I, there's a danger in me sharing these things today. And let me just be really, really clear on these at, at, at first. The reason why there's a danger is I think so often we can go, okay, cool, the church I go to is doing these things, and therefore, I'm on mission. And in some ways, I guess that can be true if you're playing your part with the giftings that God has in your life for the rest of the body. But, but more often than not, I think it's more of a checkbox. I did this, cool, Whew, I feel better, I appeased my soul for a moment, as opposed to, I carry the good news of Jesus, and I get to share this with the world. Maybe because when I share the, some of these, there's, there's no way for me to not be affected by some of these things. Because in a lot of these, I get the joy of, of not, not only knowing the organization, but knowing the face and, and seeing what God is doing with the individuals that these organizations, these people are trying to work with. And that the danger is, is that you would get emotionally excited and that would wane very quickly when you figure out what your next hobby is or something else that you need to go. And you would check it and say, okay, I did it this year. The other danger is, is that many of you would maybe just feel guilty and give a lot out of guilt. And I, I, that's, not, that's not what the gospel compels us to do. It's a, it's a joy to be able to do these things. And so, so I want to challenge you guys, before you make any um, declarative statements about, thus saith, from now on, Lord, I will. Before you do those things, I want you to sit before the Lord and let him really have full, full, full custody of your heart. Where every single part of you says, all right, God, it's all on the chopping block. Whatever you say needs to be cut, cut it. Because many of these organizations and these individuals are doing incredibly good things. And, and because of your faithfulness and generosity financially, they're able to continue to do it. So it's not a matter of us not doing those things. It's not like we're like, oh, we really need to shore up our missions account. No, in fact, as, as elders, as we were talking about it, we want to do more. I want to get to a spot where we're sending so many people that we don't know how to take care of it. I know that sounds crazy, but, but hear, me, hear me out on this. God has sent all of us. And if, if all of us are being sent the way that God is, is sending us to our neighbors, and to our co it's going to create a problem of infrastructure. And I like that idea because it, rely, it makes us rely more on him and less on our own strength and competence. Another reason why I want to be cautious about sharing these organizations is that um, as we share them, I think... 
it, there is, it does, they do use money to, to make things happen. And I know money in the church is like a, don't talk about money, it's dangerous, right? Because who knows, like that's all the church ever wants. Well, yeah, I understand that there are aspects of, the, of money um, that the church requires. When we, when we talk about these missions, we're never wanting us to say, okay, get really, really excited about this one mission thing and then take like whatever God's been calling you to give and just give it there without prayerfully asking the Lord, God, are you asking me to give more? than what I'm doing? And, and, and maybe, maybe, and I just want to say this, and this is probably not sound uh, financial advice, so maybe run this through a, a, a healthy Christian that's a financial advisor. But I, I think if I asked you to raise your hand, how many of you have overspent on something for yourself? Overspent on vacation, on a new hobby, on a toy, on clothing? Like, how many of you have spent, like, you, you, you budgeted... $50 and you spent $70. You budgeted $100, you spent this. Or when you're looking at your house, you're, because of our market, you're like, I'm going to get this, but apparently you got to be a millionaire to buy a house, right? Like, like you, you budgeted, like you've overspent for yourself. I'm pretty sure if you're like me, you'd be like, yes. Are you asking this week, this month, or how many times this year? And the follow-up question I want to ask you, and this is the one that the Lord has plagued me with this week, is how often have I overspent for his kingdom purposes? How willing am I to, to, to do something that would, hurt me financially and maybe even be considered fiscally irresponsible because God is commanding of something from me to rely on him. And again, please like run through financial advice. I'm not saying go out in debt and all those things. But so often I hear people talk and I see in my own life, it's like, oh man, I think God is tugging on my heart to do this. Okay, cool. I'll just take from this bucket and move it over here. And I think he, a lot of times he's saying, no, keep here. This is on top. And so I just want to, I want to challenge you guys, plead with you guys to be prayerful. Even if you prayed last month or two months ago, God, this is what we're giving, ask the Lord, what, what more can we do? And not because this is going to somehow shore up your salvation, but because you see the value in making sure that nothing controls your life, including money. And you see the value in doing those things. So um, those are a couple warnings. So like when we do serve the city, we, we close down churches and we say, hey, we want you guys all to serve the city. We want you guys to, to go out and, and, and be the hands and feet of Jesus. I want to be really clear. That's not it being on mission. That's, that's like training for mission. That's a part of it. This is something that's supposed to be a rhythm in your life on a regular basis, not just the three or four times a year we close down services to do it. It's us to try and embody and show that this is a part of doing it. The same thing with any of these organizations, these missionaries that we're supporting, these things that we're doing. It's not that like, oh, cool, I paid them some money, so now I'm on mission. You're still, you still are on the hook for the go and make disciples. Like, that doesn't mean like, oh, cool, I can give to Brent at MAF, and I don't have to make disciples anymore. Now you're, you're still on the hook for that. So a couple of the, the missions organizations, if you give money to Rev, if you've just given your, your general Money, this is, these, are these, these organizations are money that, that we give monthly to, we are committed to, and continue to give. So you've given to these organizations, so thank you for your generosity. The first one is Brent Halverson. Let's put this, this handsome, th yeah, there he is right there. Okay, Brent Halverson is a missionary for MAF. He, um, we have been supporting him for, for a couple years now, I think. Yeah, two years now. Um, and he, MAF desires to see isolated people changed by the love of Christ by serving together to bring healing hope and help through aviation so they go to a lot of unreached people groups and so if you've given you've you've taken part in maf you've taken part in what what brent is doing and this is an exciting mission organization that we partner with and are excited to do this with if you um we have uh, crew college ministry is another one 
Their mission is helping students come to know Jesus, grow in their faith, go to, the, go to their families, their communities, and all over the world to tell others about God's love. We have always been in close proximity to the college, and we've always wanted to invest in the college ministry in some way. If there are college students here, which there are lots, you're like, oh, they're kind of young and scary. Don't, no, no. This is an opportunity to, to invest in them personally, not just in them financially. And it is another organization that we partner with. Another one that we do, and this is newer, is Inspire Idaho. Uh, the mission for Inspire Idaho is we equip young people aging out of foster care to flourish as adults through safe relationships, life coaching, and vocational training. This is a new one that we are doing, guys. And I, I don't know how to say this. Like the, the statistics are absolutely horrific for kids aging out of foster care. I mean, it's, it's horrible. So many of them, like the majority of them end up in prison. And these are, these, are, these are kids that spent most of their life being told that they didn't have a home, didn't have a family, and then, oh, hey, go figure out how to have a family and a home at 18. Good luck. See you later. This is, a, this is a people group that is just exploding in our area. And so I'm very excited about what this, what Inspire can do and, and many other ways. But if you're looking for a way to, to take part in what God is doing um, and being a, being being a gift or a life-giving person for the kingdom of God through an age group or a people group that are struggling so hard that have very little resources once they age out. Um, this, is, this is huge, and this is, this is wonderful, and we're really excited to start partnering with them. And then the Love, Inc., or Love in the Name of Christ is the longest mission we've been a part of since the beginning of Rev. Um, they have a really long mission statement, so I just condensed it short. It says, Helping Churches Help People. Love, Inc., partners with local churches who actively engage in verified service opportunities to transform lives. And the cool thing about Love, Inc. is that whoever it is, if there's someone that comes here looking for help financially or maybe housing or any of those things, we can partner with Love, Inc. and then Love, Inc. will work with us as the church to do it together. And I love that. Or if they go to Love, Inc. first and then, then Love, Inc. will connect them with us. And it's really, really wonderful. Um, and then the next few missions that I'm going to talk about are ones that are actually not a part of our budget. These are extra things. These are the things that we do on the side that we have separate giving buckets. If you go on our church uh, center app, you'll see that like when you go to give, you'll see these other pop downs. That, are, that is some of these. And the, and the first one I talked to you about is Novotis. If you've spent any time here, you've heard about Pastor William and Mercy Goomba. They look like they're 30, but I swear they're 110. The way, I mean, like, it's, it's out of control. Um, but uh, they, they have been faithfully serving in a slum in the Philippines, which is called Novotis, for 30 years almost. And um, they've had opportunities for their church planning organizations, kept telling them, like, hey, you can leave here and go somewhere else. Like, no, this is where God has us. This is the people we're supposed to be ministering to. And so when we, we first got invited over, we were looking into sex trafficking, and we first got invited over, and we got connected through another organization to this little church, and we found out this area, Novotis, is a farming area. So what happens in Novotis is because it's so poor and so slummy, what happens in Novotis is, is uh, families can't afford to live, and so then they, um, they send their kids to go do something that no kid should ever have to do. And then those kids work hard and send that money back to help their family live. And so when we were there, I was like, this is wrong. And, and it would be really easy for me to go to the other side of the street, just like I want to do on some of these other things. But this is wrong. What, what, what can change here? And, and Pastor William and Mercy have been such a, just a wonderful gift to the church because they've been so faithful to being the church there. Um, they said, look, the problem here is that, that you can't find work. And, and the only reason why you can't find work is that you have to have a college degree 
to work at McDonald's in the Philippines. Like they, they require it at the lowest level. So the, the lowest level. Otherwise, you're stuck with a big bag of, of garlic, like this, literally this large, this wide, and you get to hand peel it and peel all those garlics in there for $5 for the week. That's the, that's the income that's available to them. When they stay in these shacks that someone is exploiting and tells them they have to spend 75 to 100 bucks a month, you can see how the, the discrepancy adds up really quick. And so we said, hey, we want to do something with this, but we don't know what. What can we do? And he said, well, if we can get education for these kids, that would probably change some things. And guys, I, th- you don't know how much mistakes we've made in this over the years. We've made lots. Um, one of them being that we found out. So when you sponsor, we have these little cards. If you want to take part in it, you can take part in it. Um, it costs about $28,000 a year to cover um, the kids. Um, but one of the mistakes that we did, you'll see on there, is a summer feeding program. Two years into our program, we were going, and we were there, and we are like, hey, what do these kids eat during the summer? Because the scholarship actually gives them a meal, one meal a day. Um, and they said, oh, they, they don't eat during the summer. There's, there's no money for that. And so we're like, well, that's ridiculous. So um, this picture right here is, is William and Mercy and volunteers of the church every single day prepare a meal for the scholarship students and families um, in the same program. It includes a doctor's appointment, um, education, and guys, this is amazing, but we have, we have 13, so we never intended to do college. Our desire was to get them through secondary school so that they could have a chance to go to college because a lot of times what happens is you'd meet a, a 15-year-old that's only gotten like two, grade two done. And um, this year we have 13 college students. Um, one has already graduated. Um, she graduated out Rika last year, or two actually, Iva as well, um, and then 30 high school students and seven elementary students. So the kids are actually growing, which is incredible. And this is a really cool thing to be a part of. This is something that we as a church are committed to. We've been committed to this regardless. We always raise the money a year ahead of time because we basically decided as elders, like, if we don't get the money, we want to be ready to do whatever we can to go find or reach outside somewhere else so that this can be covered because the thought of telling these kids like, hey, you've, you've gotten some education, good luck with the rest of your life, just doesn't, doesn't sit well with me or us as we do it. So that's one thing that we do. And then um, Kyle and Stephanie, I'm going to move through this real quickly. Kyle and Stephanie, we can get their picture up here. Um, we just figured this out last service. You have to be redheaded to be a missionary, so just so you guys know. Um, but uh, Kyle and Stephanie, um, they got married four years ago, and I remember doing their premarital, and they said, when we were talking about kind of their future life, they both said, man, we really want to, we really want to, we want to be missionaries someday. We want to go. And we want, like, when we hear you talk about the Philippines, we're just like, we want to go. And I was like, well, we've been wanting to send someone there right now. And they're both like, can we get married first, please? And I was like, yeah, okay, fine. But so they got married four years later. Um, Kyle and Stephanie have committed to moving to the Philippines. So they're going to live in the same block that, that William and Mercy live in a, in a housing in Novotis in the slum. And the purpose of being there is to partner with William and Mercy on the ministry that they're doing, the orphanages that they work on, the planting churches that they do. They also do a preschool program that Stephanie is going to help with and a number of other things. And one of the other things that is happening is William and Mercy, although they look 30, they are getting older in age. Their son Josh has gone through ministry school, has gotten all his education in place, and he's kind of passing off. And so Kyle and and Stephanie are going to help shore up that and make sure that we're all good to go moving forward when they pass the baton, whenever that may happen. Although I'm fairly certain William and Mercy will be working and serving until they until the Lord brings them home. Um, so that's Kyle and Stephanie Kirsch, and you can give to them directly. They were planning on going for two years. They're moving there. We have a team that's going with them. Kyle and Stephanie are headed in June, on June 13th, with one other person to go see Novotis for the first time. That seems a little weird that they're 
only seeing it for the first time, but COVID kept us from getting over there until now. That was supposed to happen in January. So they're going to go on June 13th, just one little team. Um, and then we're going to move them there at the end of July, July 27th. And that is also another smaller team that's just on purpose moving them there. What many of you may not know, because COVID has kept us from doing it, is every year we have done a trip in January or winter time frame to the Philippines. And that's based on what William and Mercy asked of us. They said, we don't care if he gets any money. We want you guys here with us because we want our hearts to be knit in that way. So they asked that we come, and we just say, okay, we'll come. What do you want us to do? Sometimes it's medical. Sometimes it's youth camps, like all kinds of different stuff for them that we can bring help for. So I'm telling you all that because you can give to Kyle and Stephanie's uh, ministry. They have about almost a year. They're just shy of a year of income on hand. They're, they're, we're going to continue to raise money over the time and hopefully keep them there for two years, Lord willing. Or you can give to, it's going to go up soon, to Philippines Trips if you want to help the team that's going around them to move them there as well. And then in January, we will have another team going for the church just to go visit them and say hi to them in that place. Moving through these as quick as I can, I'm sorry. Last one is Costa Rica uh, missions trip. You'll see this one on our giving stuff too. We, uh, one of the things that we were talking about as elders is we wanted to, if we're going to have a church that understands that we're going to be on mission and, or living as, as sent people, um, we wanted to make sure that we started that as young as possible. And so we got connected to Mission Activation, which is an organization in Costa Rica that does uh, a lot of different work with, uh, from medical to, um, to some of the impoverished uh, children in the area and youth camps and a number of different things. So we're taking a youth team in July to Costa Rica as well. And so there are many students in, in our youth group that are going with the leaders that are going to be raising money for that. The cool thing about this and the reason why we like this one is they do a um, kind of a five-point uh, teaching on what mission is and why we do it. So the students will get a get a teaching and then go and put that into application in the day and then get a recap and then they do it again each day. And so it'll be a really cool opportunity for them to learn and understand all of that. Um, so those are the, the extra things and there's many other one-time things that I don't have time to go into today that we've done. Um, there's many other organizations and things that you guys are doing and a part of, whether gospel communities or, or individuals with other ministries and we're so thankful for that and um, again I would encourage you to ask the Lord if you are to give to that what is it that he's asking you to give over and above what he's already asked of you to give or what is he asking you to shift in that way what's your part in that but I wanted to end with um, three questions because I, I can see some of you starting to drift out a little bit as you're like oh it's a lot <laughs> I want to end with three questions here the first one is this um, these are three questions I would ask that each and every one of you would ask of yourself like spend time in prayer do this in, in, in place. This first is, what is what is the Lord asking you to do? And the reason why I ask it, say it this way is that I think so often we can, this is what I feel, this is what I'm thinking. Like, no, what is, what is God asking you to do as you go to him in prayer? Is he asking of you to, to live more sent in your neighborhood? Is he asking you to, to actually you need to uproot yourself like the curses or, or someone else and say, I'm going to go some other area or we got another missionary that's coming through hopefully soon. Um, is he asking you to do those things or... Is he asking you to be more selfless in your finances? What is, what is God asking you to do? I want you to ask God that every single day this week. God, what do you want me to do? 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 The second one I want you to ask is, is have you forgotten that you are sent? And, and the, the, the easiest way to see this is I think very often it's like, oh yeah, I haven't given money. Okay, cool. No, the easiest way to see this is, is where have you been embodying and proclaiming the gospel in your everyday life? 
Have you, have, you, have you had a conversation with a coworker or a friend at school or a neighbor about who Jesus is? Or have, you, have you intentionally found a way to, to share the gospel to someone who already believes it and embodied? Have you served them in this way? Have you met a tangible need? Where, where has that happened? Have you forgotten? The second question is, have you forgotten that you're a sent person? And I want you to ask that question. And then the third one is kind of a statement, a question, but I don't think you can answer it until you've worked through those first two, is what are you going to do? <laughs> See, I think so often it's so easy for us to ask God those big questions and say, okay, I feel, I feel like I had great prayer time and a great devotion today and I ask all these things and he's telling me, you know, to, to be more, more, um, more missional at my work. Okay, great. What are you going to do? How are you going to walk that out with the power of the Spirit? I think so often we stop at the, oh, he asked this and that's cool and I feel better knowing that he's speaking to me but never moves to action. And the reason why I say that is that, guys, the church, unfortunately, we, we know this. We're really good at, at going to the other side of the street when it comes to the needs around us. Left on our own, it is, it is an easy regression for us. It is an easy drift back. You never drift towards more discipline. You always drift further away. And so, so my, my challenge is, what are you going to do? And again, not to earn his grace because you are already deemed, if you are a Jesus, you are deemed righteous. He is well pleased with you not because of anything you may or may not do, but because of who he is in you. You've been covered by the blood of Jesus. But out of that life, shouldn't, shouldn't that compel us to live as sent people in a different way? Not just money. Money's honestly the easiest one for us. But where it, like, it really genuinely, our hearts are captivated to see something change, where, where we, will, we will, by his strength, by his by his spirit, take the steps necessary to make sure something's happening. We won't let ourselves be distracted by the world's things anymore. We won't let the future unknowns hold us back or the fears of the insecurities because Jesus is with us. How is he asking you to engage in this? Whom is he leading you to? Maybe, maybe for many of you, maybe, maybe the next step is just getting on your knees and letting your heart break for some of these things. It's, it's, it's really easy for me, and this is the, the dis- disconnect in my own heart. It's really easy for me to invest in something like this because I got names and faces that without this, they are waking up not figuring out what they're going to eat. They have no idea. They, if they get sick, it, it might be the ending of their life. But I tend to forget that there are people that live right next door to me that have no hope. Maybe, maybe just ask God to, to, to captivate your heart in a way that it hasn't been, in a way that you, you can't help but step and walk by the Spirit in. Maybe, maybe, just, maybe just let the gospel go deeper into your heart in a way that, that forces us to want to live this out. Guys, don't, don't, the, the, the need is too great. Don't, because of the need being too great, sit back and go, I just, I, what can one person do? There's story upon story upon story of what God has done through one person. Don't lack the faith. And please, 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 let's, let's as a church, let's not, let's not let our day in and day out life become more important than building his kingdom. Let's not let the getting through college or setting up our careers or saving for retirement, let's not, those things have to happen, it's fine, let's do those things, but let's not let them become our priority. Let's let them be a conduit with which God is sending us 
to be used for his kingdom purposes in all of those areas. You guys watch, watch. It's amazing. One of the, the best gifts I get as a pastor is in walking in close proximity to people is when, when, when God cap- captivates someone's heart and someone's heart and they surrender to him and they walk, in out of, walk out in obedience by his spirit. It's amazing to see life transformation, not only in that individual, but in people around them because of it. And that is a gift that I get to see on a regular basis as a pastor. The band's going to come up and we're going to sing. I would encourage you, again, to ask those three questions. What is the Lord asking you to do? Have you forgotten you are sent? And what are you going to do with what he's asking you to do? Let me pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for we thank you for all the ways that you um, showed us through Jesus how to embody and proclaim um, the good news. And we thank you for all the ways that you have in your, in, your, in your sanctifying of us shown us ways to do this, God, and even the mistakes that we've made, God, we thank you for your grace in that. Father, I pray for, uh, in a room this size, there's, there's people that are sitting here that, that maybe don't know what they believe, and, and, and they're confused by this. God, I just pray that they would be realizing um, right now more than ever that, that you, have, you have come to them. You sent yourself to them through us, through yourself. You're, you're after them in a way that way. God, I pray that they would, they would see that the, the value of being pursued like that. God, for the individuals that are here, maybe that um, feel like they are walking in mission in step with you. They, they feel like they're, they're, um, they're faithfully living these things out. I pray that they just be encouraged by this, God. Because so, t- so often in the church, what happens is those that hearts already captivated give more while many just sit by and watch. And God, for those maybe that have been on the sidelines for too long or didn't know they were on the sidelines, but we're just kind of going through day in and day out stuff. They're just kind of doing church stuff, but they're not being the church, God. Those individuals that, that maybe have, have gotten too distracted by other good things in their life, God, I pray that you would, you would transform their hearts. And God, I, I do. I pray that we'd be known as ridiculously generous people because our time is a gift from you. The, the money that you give us is a gift from you. Our faith is a gift from you. But God, you just, you just ask us to steward those, and I pray that we'd steward them in a way that brings so much glory to you, not because you aren't already glorious and you need us to do that. Because you are so glorious, God, we just want everyone else to see you, and to know you, and to be in relationship with you. And Lord, I do pray. I pray for us as a community as we um, strive to uh, make steps towards um, being sent with people. God, I pray that you would uh, give us little victories along the way. Show, show how you're already working in the hearts of the people that you're sending to us. Show how um, you've already come up with the resources that you are asking of us to give, even though we can't see it. God, show us how, um, how powerful and wonderful your gospel is and what it can do to transform lives and hearts. God, even thinking about 10 years ago in the Philippines, there were no chances for anyone to have college. And, and we have 15 students, two that have graduated, and 13 that are in college right now. God, families that were scholarship because they couldn't go to school, parents that were doing atrocious things so that they could care for their kids don't have to do that anymore. Such a little sacrifice on our part, God, but you do so much for it, so much through it. And God, if our hearts are, are cold or, or hard, or we want to hide behind maybe like doctrine or theology, God, I pray that you would just wreak havoc on our hearts and soften us. 
Bring us to a spot where we're okay moving forward if we don't fully understand everything because we know you are with us always until the end of ages. We pray all this in Jesus' name. And the joy that comes from him giving his life for us, giving all of his life for us. His body, his blood was spilled. Everything was given so that we can walk in wholeness with him. And so um, if you are here today and you proclaim Jesus as Lord, you, you do so in remembering that he gave his life for you, but also remembering that he is at work in you and that he will come again. And so when we take of the bread, we remember that his body was given for us. You guys can come. When we take of, of the blood of the new covenant, the, the blood, the, the, the juice that symbolizes his blood being spilled for us in the new covenant in that, what we, what we do is we realize that, that everything has been covered by the blood. So even today, if you're, man, I feel convicted and I feel, I feel like I'm failing. Well, the, Good news, in Jesus, you are not a failure. You are more than a conqueror. And so you can, you can rest in knowing that his blood has covered even that failure and even the one coming. We can, we can rest not only in what he has done for us in the, in the past, what he's doing today, and ultimately plead for him to come again soon. And until then, I, I pray, my hope is that, that the, the, the covering of his blood would remind you that you can walk in righteousness before him. You can live out righteousness. You can bring the kingdom of righteousness because of him in you. Father, we, um, we know there are many things that we still hold on to, even though we just saying that there's nothing that we hold on to. And so God, I pray, whether that's you gently taking it from us, <laughs> prying our fingers, or, or having to, to drop it out from our grasp and make us feel... Um, scared God I pray that you would do so and as we sing I pray that we would sing not as as a people that that kind of believe these things but we'd sing as a people that are redeemed by the blood of your son as a people excited to carry the joy of your good news to um to whomever you have in front of us Lord we pray all this in Jesus name amen Thank you for listening to our podcast. To find out more about our church, please visit revolution22.org. We encourage you to not neglect meeting together as believers. And may you continue to love God and love others.